Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Uh, Well, as Grace mentioned, this is the last week of our uh, series on um, the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to be looking at self-control. It's my real, uh, genuine, uh, and sincere hope uh, that this, the last few weeks, have really helped us, uh, first with introspection and also with discernment, as we kind of make our way through this really disorienting time. Uh, I was talking with someone just last week, um, and I think that all of us for a variety of reasons, feel exhausted in this time. There's so much that's uncertain related to maybe your employment. There's so much uncertainty around uh, the pandemic, uh, the election this week. There's just a lot of uh, just kind of emotional energy that is brought to life that goes beyond just our own kind of personal things that we may be going through. So all of us are emotionally exhausted in this time. But I think the fruit of the Spirit helps serve as just this really kind of grounding uh, perspective of how is God at work in me and how is God at work in the world. So I hope it's been helpful for you. Uh, this last week, we, um, we had chicken tikka masala for dinner. Um, yeah, that's right. I got an amen here in the, in the crowd. Uh, now, I never, if you, had, if, you had, uh, if you had met me or known me several years ago, I did not like Indian food. Uh, and I'm actually not, I'm still not quite sure that I like Indian food as a general category, but I love chicken tikka masala. And so we had it, and um, it, something happens to me with meals that I love, and that is uh, that I have a real tendency to overeat. So in an effort to fully enjoy the meal, or enjoy the meal to the fullest, I eat so much that my stomach ends up hurting, and I erase all the kind of like, good things that have happened, right? Uh, and so I wish, I wish I didn't do that, but I've got a real habit of if meals that I love, just I have a real tendency to overeat. Uh, so that happened last week. Uh, the other thing that happened recently to me was uh, we, our schedule was such on a particular day that I had a chunk of time uh, to invest in some good kind of soul-searching things that I've been wanting to do. It was, it was a chunk of time where I didn't have any particular thing, nothing, uh, no deadlines to meet, that kind of stuff. And so I thought, this is a great time for me to do that, that kind of soul work uh, that I've been meaning to do. Um, but that just kind of felt exhausting to do that process. And so I ended up uh, wasting the time, right, that could have been so valuable. So at different points recently, uh, I have uh, done something that I didn't want to do, overeat, and then I didn't do something that I did want to do, which was a kind of investment in my own self, right? Uh, And I think that what I needed in those moments was some good old-fashioned self-control. Are you with me? Uh, Hopefully, I'm not alone in this, right? Hopefully, I'm not looking at a crowd just full of perfectly disciplined people that never have this issue, right? Help me out, people online, like comment or do something to let me know that I'm not alone here. Uh, I want to read to you Second Peter, which I think will help uh, provide some good framework for where I want to go this morning uh, as we talk about self-control. So Second Peter uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, reading through verse 11, says this, uh, His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus he has given us through these things his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants 
of the divine nature. Verse 5, for this very reason, you must, take, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness, and goodness with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, and endurance with godliness, and godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For anyone anyone who lacks these things is short-sighted and blind, forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to confirm your call and election. For if you do this, you will not stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, wouldn't our lives be better if we had a little bit of self-control? Because self-control is not so much about constraining oneself as much as it is entering into freedom. Self-control is about entering into freedom, gaining freedom, freedom from that destructive habit, freedom from debilitating debt, freedom from poor choices, freedom to seek after things that are good and wholesome. I love verse 3 and 4 of this passage that I read because it's all about helping us to understand that what we need to live a godly life is available to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, It's this truth. You can see how Paul has structured this, this passage of Scripture. He wants to, he does this all the time, by the way. He wants to give us the truth of who we are in Christ. He wants to give us this is who you are because of the Lord and his work. And then now, here's how we kind of work this out. And so he begins by saying, all that you need is available to you in Jesus Christ in order for you to live a good and wholesome and godly life. That through the Spirit of God, you have the resources you need to say no to unhealthy or ungodly desires and have self-control. That power is within you and made available to you through the Spirit of God. Thanks be to Christ. Amen. And then verse 5, then follows that up with, so make every effort. (laughs) Here's the truth of what God has done for us in Christ, made available to us the power that we might live good and godly and righteous lives. And then it's followed immediately by, so make every effort, which means, church, that we have been invited into our own transformation. Do you catch this? We have been invited into our own transformation. Make no mistake, the Spirit does the transforming, right? It isn't something that we earn or can kind of like get all on our own. It is the Spirit of God who does the transforming, but we, have make, we can make every effort to participate with Him. I've said it before, and I think it bears repeating that the Christian life essentially is this. That in Christ, you and I are made into new creations. That you are, that we ourselves, our lives become evidence of what God has in store for the entire world. That we become the, the first evidences of new creation. We become little new creations, right? That's the truth of who we are in Christ. 
And so the Christian life then is learning to live more and more according to that new identity. And we can call it all kinds of things. Discipleship is, an, is a common term for that process. Uh, sanctification is a biblical word for that process of how we learn more and more to live into our new creation status in Christ. And I think that's essentially what Paul is talking about. Here's the truth of who you are in Christ. You have available to you the strength and power that you need to live a good and godly and righteous life. And so now make every effort to live into that new identity. Our painting this morning, I've loved our partnership with Christos Collective as as we look at these paintings each week about how they can speak to us uh, through the power of artwork. But in our painting this week, it's, it's interesting. There's all kinds of, of Eden imagery, right? Imagery from the Garden of Eden. Because you'll notice here's a, a, a vine uh, or a branch of a tree with fruit all over it. And right here on the top left-hand corner of the painting is a hand reaching for the fruit with another hand constraining it or holding it back. And then inscribed in the painting all over are passages of Scripture about the empowerment that we have in Christ or the, the empowerment that is available to us in God. A couple of examples uh, of scriptures that are inscribed here. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds and others. Now, I don't think that the point of this painting is to say what might have been in the Garden of Eden if the hand that reached for the fruit had been constrained. I don't think that's the point of the painting, but rather I think the point is, is pointing us to the reality that if we can learn to be self-controlled, that if we ourselves will learn to be constrained from reaching from fruit that we are tempted toward, if we are self-controlled, then it will help us avoid things that are destructive in our own lives, and we will live more fully as God has intended, Right? So it's not so much what might have been as much as it is what could be if we will live more fully into our potential in Christ. You could also say it this way, self-control allows us to live more fully into our identity in Christ. Self-control allows us to live more fully into our identity in Christ because remember, self-control is not so much about creating a, a a chain around us, but rather it is about living into freedoms. Amen. But this is a difficult thing. This concept of identity in Christ. What does it mean? And how do I find that identity? And how do I work that out? How would I go about making every effort to live into this new identity in Christ? And so I want to talk to you a little bit today about identity. And I want to begin with how culture tends to give us or offer to us our own identities. And, and this is, these are my own thoughts. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily borrowing uh, from any writers here. This is my own ideas or opinions. They may not be fully formed, uh, but I think they at least point us in the right direction. Okay, And that is, when we look at how culture tends to give us who we are, I think it begins and is rooted in a desire. So culture would say, whatever whatever it is that you desire, whatever it is that you want, chase after that, and then let that inform your action. 
And then your action then determines who you are. So the cultural formation of identity is desire, which leads to action, which leads then to our identity. Now, this is problematic for a couple of reasons. Number one is, is I don't think that it's uh, uh, right that our desires or that which we want are always good or wholesome for ourselves or for others, right? That sometimes our desires may be misordered or disordered desires, that there are things that we might think we want, but they're not good for us, they're not good for others, but if we follow this kind of cultural formation of identity where our, our identity is rooted in desire and those desires are off or disordered, then guess what? We can be led into actions that are destructive. And then what we tend to do is if you have actions that are destructive, then you tend to be defined by that. You tend to be defined wholly by your sin, right? You with me? And what the good news of Jesus Christ does is it flips this whole identity formation on its head. It has a different way of offering us identity formation. And according to the gospel, we don't begin with desire or wants. We begin with our new identity in Christ. And so who we are is, begins with the truth of who we are in Christ then that informs or transforms our desire and then that informs our action. Are you with me? And so the gospel actually flips this whole thing on its head and says, let's not make the root of who you are your desire, which may be ordered, but may also be disordered. Let's begin with the truth of who we are in Christ and work from there. So everything then begins with our new identity in Christ. I'm given a new identity in Christ that transforms my desires, where my allegiance belongs to the kingdom of God alone, where I desire things that are good and wholesome, things that God would want. I commit to walk in the ways of Jesus. See, this is the transformation of my desires. And then, once my desires are transformed, then I act out of those new desires. And so, identity is the root of my actions. Now, that's pretty good news. But I like to be honest. <laughs> I like to be honest about our own way in living this out. And our own personal experience. Because if you're anything like me, even that good news is sometimes a struggle. You see, I struggle with this because the truth is, is I don't always live according to my new identity in Christ. In other words, sometimes my actions aren't congruent with my new identity in Christ. Sometimes I act selfishly or I do that destructive thing or I say that hurtful thing, right? And so even this, and so whether it's uh, whether it's my desires aren't truly transformed or I have trouble aligning my actions with those desires, there seems to be sometimes this breakdown between my new identity in Christ and those things by which I desire and therefore the things that I do. There's this breakdown. And so what we need is a mechanism that helps bring my desires in line with my new identity in Christ. Are you following me? What we need then is a mechanism by which our desires are brought in line with by identity with Christ. 
And without being too simplistic, that mechanism is our habits. Is our habits. You see, we tend to think about self-control according to the big things, right? Uh, If I could do this, but the truth is, is the power of self-control is in the little things. It's the little decisions, the things that we choose to avoid, the things that we choose to participate in day to day, day in, day out, time after time. It's our habits that actually help transform and bring our desires in line with our new identity in Christ. Because sometimes what happens is through the the miraculous movement of the Spirit in our lives for a season or a time, this is not a struggle. We live beautifully according to our new identity in Christ. Amen. Thank God. And then other times we may find that we have a season where we just are doing things that we don't want to do and not doing things that we want to do. And what we need is some good old-fashioned self-control. What we need are transformed desires according to our new identity in Christ. And habits are a good mechanism for us to do that. James K.A. Smith has done some really important and phenomenal work surrounding the power of habits. And he actually wrote a book called You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Power of Habit. And here's what he says in part of that book. He says, the heart is like a compass. So we need to regularly calibrate our hearts, tuning them to be directed toward the creator, our magnetic north. It is crucial for us to recognize that our ultimate loves, longings, desires, and cravings are learned. That our ultimate loves, longings, desires, and cravings are learned. And because love is a habit, our hearts are calibrated through imitating exemplars and being immersed in practices that over time index our hearts to a certain end. So we learn to love then, not primarily by acquiring information about what we should love, but rather through practices that form our habits of how we love. Whoa. You see, the Christian church, at least in the, in the modern era, the current era, has come to understand discipleship largely as dumping information into our brains, right? So when you go to a discipleship class or a life group, it's often just focused on learning new things. But what's important, church, is not that we learn new things, but that we apply what we already know, <laughs> right? We don't necessarily need more information about God, What we need is to apply what we know. What we need are habits that will form us and shape us and show us what it means to love and to love well and to love the kingdom of Christ over and above all. And so this is a way in which we can participate in our own transformation. That God wants to transform each of us so that our lives bear the fruit of the Spirit that all the things that are hanging along the sides of our walls of the sanctuary that we spent these eight weeks talking about, these are things that God wants to build in us that we might put them on display in the world. And it comes through the transformation and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we have a part to play. And our part to play, at least a piece of the puzzle, is that we might intentionally adopt habits that calibrate our hearts toward the kingdom of Christ. And what that means for each of us is different, 
right? For some of us, uh, we'll, we'll calibrate our hearts through habits of, of listening to great music. And the Spirit of God may say, you know what? The music that you listen to, I want it to be good and wholesome and, and pointed toward me. And some, some might, be, it might be related to entertainment. It might be a certain habit that you adopt. It might be a habit that you stop doing. It could be a whole number of different things. But the idea is that we begin to be in tune with the Spirit of God in our lives so that we might begin to adopt habits that will transform our desires to bring those desires in line with our new identity with Christ so that we might live righteously in the world and bear the fruit of the Spirit. And by bearing the fruit of the Spirit, bear witness to the Spirit of God in the world. Amen? And so ask God to help you to adapt hobbits, not hobbits, do not adopt hobbits, but adapt habits. Um, My kids will love that. So kids, I love you. I'm sure you're laughing right now. Um, So... (laughs) Self-control then, that was hilarious. Some things are just more difficult to recover from. Um, So self-control connects our desire to our habits so that we can act in accordance with our new identity in Christ. And this is the fruit of the Spirit. Because we need the power of the Spirit of God to help us say no to the destructive thing. But also more than that, say yes to the beneficial thing. Because, and this is what I want you to hear, when my desires are transformed to be in line with the good news of Jesus Christ, then I am truly free. When my desires are transformed, then I am truly free. And so true freedom is doing what I want, but wanting that which is truly good. True freedom is doing what I want, but wanting that which is truly good. Amen. Let me say a word of prayer today. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for the word of God that is often structured by saying, this is the good news of who you are in Jesus Christ. And and God, I confess to you today, there are many days where I need to know that and I need to hear that good news. I need to be reminded that I am intimately and endlessly loved by the creator God. I need to hear that grace has been offered to me without end and with abundance. I need to hear that available to me through the power of the spirit of God who lives inside of me is the strength to say no to that thing that is destructive and to say yes to that thing that is good and beneficial. And so God, thank you for the truth that you speak over us. But God, also, would you help us to live into that truth? Would you help us to participate in our own transformation, to make every effort through the habits that we adopt. And so Lord, today, challenge us, speak to our hearts to adopt new habits, to say no to some habits, that we might more fully live into our identity of who we are in Christ. And God, may this be life-giving. May it not be a burden of guilt that we have to bear. May it not be shame that, that is that just sits like an umbrella over our lives 
For Lord, we believe that guilt and shame are not of you. Conviction is, but not guilt and shame. And so Lord, convict our hearts, but then let us live in accordance with who you've made us to be. You have said that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so God, I pray that even though we are being called to something very specific today, that it would in fact be uh, life-giving to us. And so God, be with us at these moments as we gather around your table, speak to our hearts, move in us in the ways that you see fit so that we might fully hear and absorb and, and apply this message today. Help each one of us. Because um, we know that the, the, the nuances of how this plays out in each of our lives is gonna be different. And so God, um, speak to our hearts, uh, particularly as we come to the, the table today. We love you and we offer you praise and thanks. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.